Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. All right, Word Wars, Episode 6. Find Philippians chapter 2 in your copy of God's Word. If you have a Bible there or you can use a device of some kind, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to wrap up this teaching series that we've been in for the last six weeks. We're going to put a bow on it today by talking about the greatest word ever heard. And of course, I think we would all agree that the greatest word ever heard is the name of Jesus. Uh, Time Magazine, just a few years ago, did a big story uh, entitled, The 100 Most Influential People in World History of All Time. You can see some of the ones that were listed there. Uh, There's um, Charles Darwin, there's Franklin Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Beethoven, and on and on. And a hundred names were put on that list. Who do you think was number one? That's right, Jesus. Jesus Christ, even the secular journalists know that the most influential person, whether they believe in him or not, the most influential person in world history was Jesus Christ. Now, I like the fact that Jesus made the number one spot. I'm sure you do as well. But I will tell you, and I would argue that Jesus really, I mean, doesn't belong on any list. Because Jesus is not the first of many. Jesus is the one and only. King of kings and Lord of lords, before whom every knee someday will bow and confess that he is Lord. Philippians chapter 2, look at this. Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if Jesus is the greatest word ever heard, then really the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is this, how do we make much of Jesus? How do we incorporate his name into our lives more fully and more completely? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Of course, Philippians 2 is kind of our launching pad into this message We're actually going to be in the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, in several different places. I'll give you the scriptures on the screen. By the way, this is interesting to note, the word name, N-A-M-E, in the Bible, occurs more in the book of Acts than any other book in the New Testament. That's interesting, isn't it? And almost more than any other book in the entire Bible. Why? Because in the book of Acts, they were all about making much of the name of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So the first thing I want you to see is that God has called us to wear the name of Jesus. Wear the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 11, very interesting passage of scripture. Some men came to Antioch. Antioch was a city, a prominent city in the ancient world, Mediterranean world, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And then Barnabas brought Paul to Antioch, and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. 
And, the, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Bible trivia for the day, that was the first time anyone ever referred to the, the people who were following Jesus as Christians. It wasn't that they chose that word, it was that the people around them began to call them Christians. Uh, different scholars have translated the, the word in the original in different ways uh, that's translated Christian. Uh, some have amplified it and said it, it, it's best translated those who belong to Christ. Others have said that the, the word Christian really means uh, those who habitually named the name of Jesus. On a regular basis, the name of Jesus was on their lips. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And because of that, the people who didn't even follow Jesus associated them so much with Jesus that, that they called them Christians. They called them Christians. You say, well, Pastor Phil, you're talking about wearing the name. Well, what do you mean by wearing the name of Jesus? Well, first of all, we're not talking about wearing a Jesus T-shirt or putting some Jesus imagery on the back of your car, although there's nothing wrong with any of that. But rather, what you see in the Bible is that when people increasingly bow before Jesus and they bow before him, they become more and more like him. The more you bow, the more you become. The, the more you, you, you lower yourself and submit yourself to Jesus, the more you, becoming, you, you, you become more like Jesus. Think about our definition of a disciple at Crossgate Church. Uh, a disciple is a growing follower of Jesus who lives and loves like Jesus and leads others to follow him. The more you bow before Jesus, the more you, you live and love like Jesus Christ. It reminds me of the cowboy who got saved. This old boy got saved, and he was in a church, and he was standing up talking about what, what God had done in his life, and just only cowboys can. He, he kind of started talking about his life before Jesus and, and his life after Jesus, and he said, I ain't what I ought to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. Amen? I mean, how, how many of you can say, thank God I ain't what I used to be? That's right. Because Jesus in the, is in the business of transforming lives. Jesus is in the business of changing you from this to this. You say, well, okay, well, Pastor Phil, what are some specific examples of, of this, this transformation you're talking about? Okay, well, let me give you one. First of all, wearing the name of Jesus means that we are increasing in holiness. We are increasing in holiness. We're living and loving like Jesus. Jesus was holy. We become more holy as well. Uh, for example, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Look at this. Association with the name. God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. There is this mandate from the Bible and from God that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to distance yourself from sin. From the things that displease God, from the things that weigh you down, you're going to distance yourself. doesn't mean you'll become perfect while you're here on this earth, but, but over time, there, there should be a crescendo of holiness in your life, for you musicians out there, a crescendo of, of holiness, becoming more like Jesus in righteousness and holiness and, and, and departing from sin. Jesus Christ is the line of distinction between wickedness and righteousness. Look at this, Malachi chapter 3. 316, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, 
in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between righteousness and wicked, and between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. The name of Jesus Christ, again, is that dividing line between the righteous and the wicked. And here's why it's such a stark line of division. It's because Jesus, at least the Jesus of the Bible, I'm not talking about kind of that soft cultural Jesus who's been watered down to the point of of, of being diluted beyond recognition. I'm talking about the, the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible calls his followers to absolute dedication, to absolute embracing of his lordship. He is Lord. And when that happens, you can't help but distance yourself from sin and, and, and embrace, increasingly embrace holiness. The sad thing is that many people who call themselves Christians don't even look like Christians throughout the week in terms of righteousness and, and holiness and, 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 and becoming increasingly like Jesus. I think I told you a funny story a few years back. It bears repeating because it's so relevant in this case. Uh, heard the story of the old Wild West, back in the days of the, the Wild West. And there was a group of bandits riding on their horses, and they overtook a train that was barreling on down the tracks. And they got off their horses, jumped onto the train, pulled out their pistols, and went from one car to the next, robbing people and, and, and stealing their money and all of this and threatening them with shooting them and so forth. Well, one of those robbers came to the last train car and, and he walked through that car and said give me all your money or i'll blow your brains out and all the way in the, the back of that car there was a little guy a little little scrawny guy in a black suit shaking and shivering and saying you wouldn't hurt a poor baptist preacher would you and the guy with his pistols out said oh you're a baptist me too you some of y'all get that in a minute the whole point is the guy said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a member of a church. Oh, yeah, I'm a Baptist or whatever, whatever denomination. But where was the evidence? Or to quote the old Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? Right? See, I couldn't say that at the 930 service because most of them don't even remember that commercial. But thank goodness I have y'all. There's, there's a whole filing cabinet of illustrations I can use in this service. I can't use it at 930. All right? Where's the beef? The fact is, guys, ladies, friends, if there's no evidence of, of, of an increasing righteousness and, and devotion to the holiness of the Lord, how can we possibly wear his name? But here's something else that goes with wearing his name. Wearing the name of Jesus means that we are increasing in others-centered love. Wearing the name of Jesus means that we are increasing in others-centered love. Hebrews 13, let's just look at this. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are wearing his name, there will be an increasing others-centered love about your life. And I'll be honest, this is one of, the, one of the many reasons why I love to be a part of this church. Okay, not a perfect church. If you're visiting here today, I will tell you, if you're looking for a perfect church, this ain't it. Okay? But I will tell you, over the years, I have seen this church with, with, a, with a pervasive uh, and, and, and just persistent outward focus, loving our community well, 
both with our neighbors and the nations. Uh, just, just last night, I was thinking about this list, and, and it's almost overwhelming to think about all the different ways that our, that our church is committed to loving our community well. Uh, our, our own food pantry that we feed uh, folks every, every other Thursday, a gospel-centered food pantry. We also adopt family, local families that don't really have much during Christmas time. We adopt them and, and, and provide some, some, some nice blessings for them for Christmas. We do that every year. Uh, in addition to feeding the homeless on a regular basis downtown and in other venues as well. In addition to the many organizations with which we partner, whether it's um, the Adult Teen Challenge, Arkansas Blood Institute, uh, the, Preg the Pregnancy Center downtown, among other things, uh, Arkansas Hunger, uh, hun say this 10 times fast, Hunters Feeding the Hungry. R Ronnie Ritter's gonna get on to me if I can't say that properly. Hunters Feeding the Hungry. Hope movement, just on and on and on. Organizations where we're partnering to love our community well. The Call, for example. I mean, we, the, the wonderful gospel-centered ministry in Garland County to foster and adoptive families. We're, we're, we're constantly looking for ways to partner with The Call. In addition to our missional endeavors. Again, you've heard me talk about disaster relief. Loving people when they're absolutely at the worst time in their lives, reeling from a disaster. In addition to our... Uh, other local missions, we partner with the Fenleys, uh, just a family that, that, that serves through a family life ministry. Through the Fenleys, our church touches thousands of people all across the country. Uh, sending a team to the Amazon every summer, freshwater wells, y'all have been so generous with that, as well as ministry in Vanuatu, ministry in Thailand, uh, and, and, and a host of other things taking place, not to mention how we love people who come on our campus well. Right? We, have, we have dozens and dozens and, and several hundred volunteers on our campus that, that do all kinds of things every Sunday and every Wednesday in order to love people well when they come onto our campus. I love it, but here's my question. As, as a bit of a challenge to each and every one of you, where are you serving? What, what needs are you meeting? Uh, yes, I, I want people to be able to come to this church and receive and be blessed as I know you are. But at the same time, the, the, the challenge of the gospel to, to wear the name of Jesus is to become increasingly others-centered. Where, where are you investing in the lives of people at Crossgate Church? That may very well be your next step, to meet a need. Because that's really what the Christian life is all about, living for Jesus and loving other people. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's, listen, that's the name that I want to wear. That's the name that I want to wear. But here's something you need to know, church, and you probably already know this. The name of Jesus Christ is, is the most preeminent name in the entire world, in the history of the world, but not everybody likes it. Not everybody is fired up that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Certainly that was true back in those days in the Bible because, listen, it costs, sometimes it costs to wear the name and therefore there are times when we must bear the name. Acts chapter 5, look at this, bearing the name of Jesus. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priests. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching 
and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when the rulers heard this, they were furious. And so they called the apostles in and had them beaten. And then they ordered the apostles not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Get this big, plain, and straight, friends. There's going to come a time when it's going to cost to follow Jesus. In some places in our country, and certainly many places in this world, that day has already come. Why? Why is it going to cost us? Here's the reason. Because not everybody is on board with Jesus being the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Jesus of the Bible, as I said earlier, the Jesus of the Bible calls for us to, to, to absolute submission to him. And that's to his holiness, to his love, to his righteousness, the whole nine yards. And oh, by the way, Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. The world hates him for that. The Bible says that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. Look at this in Luke chapter 11. Jesus, by the way, just turn to your neighbor right now and say, Jesus said. This is Jesus here. This isn't Phil Kramer or some preacher. This is Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And if you thought that was tough, look at Luke 12. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, do, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Gee, th there is a line of, of distinction between righteousness and evil. We already saw that in Malachi chapter 3. And Jesus is that line. And I will tell you, there's coming a day when it's going to cost to, to follow Jesus Christ. It's going to cost. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost me. Let, let, me, let me give you this as a, as a way of illustration, okay? So when, uh, when I graduated high school back in 19, none of your business, okay, um, I, I graduated high school and I joined the Marines, okay? And, 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 I, and I, I entered what my father-in-law calls the pit of depravity, all right, the pit of depravity. Uh, you know, I had been saved for about a year and a half. I was a fairly new Christian. I was serious about following Jesus. And I, and I, I, I ran into this, this, this onslaught of just massive amounts of alcohol, not in my life, but certainly all around me, massive amounts of womanizing, uh, infidelity, adultery, just you name it, all over the place, massive amounts of pornography, profanity, vulgarity, boom, 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 boom. Not that I expected the Marines to be choir boys, okay? I knew what I was getting myself into, but nevertheless, as a brand new Christian, it was, it was hard. It was hard to be a growing follower of Jesus. But I will tell you, by God's grace and through a consistent connection with a, with a local Bible-teaching church, and the cassette tape ministry of a man named Adrian Rogers, and a massive amount of contemporary Christian music, I grew. I mean, I, I, I took ridicule. I, I, I took the slings and arrows from time to time from, from fellow Marines who just did not understand why I was living a different life. Uh, and, and, and I made it. Okay? 
But it, it was tough. It cost. It cost me something to follow Jesus. So when I got out of the Marines, I went off to a Baptist uh, Christian college in North Carolina, not unlike OBU down in Arkadelphia, just as a point of reference, kind of similar. Okay? And, and, and I, I went from, from, from sink or swim Christianity to a Christian campus where not everybody, but the vast majority of students on that campus, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, absolutely, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, and, and there was a certain cultural vibe, a, a certain spiritual cultural vibe on that campus. But I would tell you that, that underneath that veneer, there was a lot of sloppy living, a lot of flesh. I'm not saying everyone was going out and getting trashed every weekend, but I will tell you there, was, it just, there, 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 was, there wasn't a whole lot of sink or swim, let's just put it that way. It was easy to be a Christian. It did not cost to be a Christian on that campus. But what I discovered was I had gone from sink or swim Christianity to recline and decline. And, and there wasn't a lot of people growing. We were just a lot of just going through the motions of, of, of just kind of this, this Christian existence on the campus. And there's a big difference between cultural assumptions where we all just kind of recline and decline and where Christianity and following Jesus costs us something and we actually have to bear the name, there's a big difference there. You say, Pastor Phil, why do you bring this up? I, I bring this up because in our world today, as many of you know, uh, the, the, the issue of religious liberty and even where our nation is in this regard, it, it's been a roller coaster, has, has it not? I mean, for generations and generations and decades since the founding of our nation, there has largely been this, this assumption about the Christian faith and about the culture of our, of our country as a, as a Christian nation, or, or at least that Christianity was the, by far the dominant worldview. Okay? And so we didn't really have to think much about religious liberty. We just kind of took it for granted that we had it. But then over the last 40 years or so, the enemy has shown up at the gates. Now again, there, 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 have, there have been a roller coaster on this. There's been ups and downs. The last few years, quite honestly, there's been some good news stories about religious liberty in our nation. Uh, in 2020, you may remember there was, a, there was a, a, ch a charity that was run by Catholic nuns, these ladies that had devoted themselves to Jesus, called the Little Sisters of the Poor. And they, they ran a charity in New York. Well, when, when the government got into the healthcare business, the government basically told these ladies, you must provide free contraception and abortions for all of your employees, if any of your employees need any of this, you must provide them for free. And these diminutive little ladies said, we can't do that. Th that's against who we are. That's against, we, we wouldn't be faithful to Jesus if we had to do this. And you know, that finally went to the Supreme Court and, and they, they, they sided with these ladies. But understand, it had to go through all of these other courts that had beat them down and batted them down and said, you will provide this. We don't care about your convictions world in which we live. 2022, Joseph Kennedy, uh, some of you may be familiar with this, he was the football coach out at, uh, in Washington State, high school football coach, who after the games would walk out on the 50-yard line, take a knee, and just have a time of prayer. If anyone would like to join me, wonderful, come on out. Well, the school, man, they, they came down on that guy like a hammer, like an absolute hammer, and I mean, he was facing threats and all the rest. Again, the case finally made it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court sided with this high school football coach. And then, of course, just last, uh, I think two months ago, 
Another case was, was, uh, was uh, brought out to the Supreme Court. There was a mailman, a, a postal worker, who was being forced to work on Sundays, and he said, you know, I'd really like to get Sunday off because I'd like to go to church. They say, sorry, you're working or you're fired. Again, had to, had to make it all the way to the Supreme Court, and just a few months ago, the Supreme Court sided with the postman and, and said, you know what, your, your boss and, your, and the United States Postal Service is not constitutional if it's forcing you to work on Sunday when you're asking for that day off. Now, th- those are some good news stories, okay? Some good news stories. But again, I will tell you, as, as, as we look at the, the, the broader scope and we read the tea leaves of what's going on in our culture, the enemy is at the gates. For example, Jack Phillips, if you've been following the news at all for the last 10 years plus, he is a Christian that lives out in Colorado who owns a cake-baking business. And this guy, I mean, he doesn't just slap a few pieces of cake on there and rub some icing on it. I mean, this, this guy creates works of art. So back in 2012... He was approached by two men who planned on getting married in Colorado, uh, same-sex wedding in Colorado, and they said, hey, we want you to make a cake for our same-sex wedding. And he's like, you know, guys, I, I'm sorry. He just politely declined. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, it just doesn't, I, I can't, out of my own convictions, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Well, they do. They sued him. And, and that thing got, got held up in the courts for years. Finally, in 2018, the Supreme Court basically said, you know what, the, the, the state of Colorado does not have a right to force you to do this. Okay, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. But wait, there's more. Okay? So 2018, the Supreme Court finally rules in his favor. In 2017, when the, the day that the Supreme Court announced that they would accept his case and that they would review it over the next year, that same day in 2017, a transgender lawyer called him on the phone and said, Hey, um, I'm having a, 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 a transition uh, celebration for me being this to this, and I, I want you to make me a cake with, with blue icing on the outside and p- pink icing on the inside, and we're going to celebrate my, my transition from this gender to this gender. Remember, that took place on the same day that the Supreme Court said that they would hear his other case. Can you spell entrapment, boys and girls? Right? And what did he say? He said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if it was any other circumstances. I'd be happy to, to make you something, but I, I can't in, in all good conscience do this. So that lawyer sued him, and that went around and round and round in the, in the Colorado courts for two years. Finally, in 2019, Colorado threw out the case. End of story? I wish. 2020, that same lawyer that brought the charge in 2017 sued him under other conditions and said, I'm suing this guy for $100,000 in legal fees and damages. And just earlier this year, at the Colorado level, Jack Phillips lost his appeal. Is that going to go back to the Supreme Court? Quite possibly. Can I tell you something, friends, that you probably already know? If you don't think elections matter, you need to get your head out of the sand. Okay? And I'm not a political preacher. This is not a political church. I'm a Christocrat. Jesus is the king of my life. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. But I will tell you this. If the 2016 election had gone the other way, all of these people that I just mentioned would have been thrown under the bus by the progressive secular agenda. Okay, Every single one of them would have been thrown under the bus with no recourse whatsoever. Equality Act. 
Equality Act has been around for the last seven or eight, nine years. Uh, the Equality Act is basically a bill that is before Congress uh, that has been advanced to add sexual orientation and gender identity uh, to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the Fair Housing Act. You say, well, what's that going to do? Here's the thing. What that will do is that will take what's already going on in some states and make it a federal issue. For example, in Virginia a few years ago, a high school teacher was fired because they did not use the, the preferred pronouns to address a student. Uh, same thing happened in another state with a college professor. There was a women's home, about the same time, there was a women's home for homeless women in Alaska that, that refused to, to receive a biological male who thought he was a woman into their, into their context to come and live with all these other homeless women. They denied him a place, and the state of Alaska came down on that home. That's the kind of stuff that would be elevated to the federal level if the Equality Act became law. Uh, I, you know, the, uh, David Cicilline, the, the, the Rhode Island uh, representative who kind of co-sponsors the Equality Act, has said, and he just said flat out, he said the Equality Act will allow us, who's us? Not me, not you, the politicians and the judges. It will allow them to decide which people's religious convictions are, are authentic and which are nothing more than a pretext for discrimination. Judges, politicians, they're the ones that will make the call, not us, certainly not Bible-teaching pastors. Right? That, that's the Equality Act. So in 2021, the Equality Act passed the House, but it failed to get the 60 votes necessary to pass in the Senate. And it still doesn't have the votes to pass in the Senate. But the thing is, President Biden has already said, man, if the House and the Senate will both pass this, I will enthusiastically sign it on my desk. You think there's coming a day when it's going to cost to follow Jesus with our convictions? And by the way, note, notice something. In a lot of these cases, the, the, the persecution is coming in the form of, of commercial or professional or financial issues, right? Does that make you uh, re remember anything in the Bible? Revelation 13, look at this. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people, and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth. Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that, watch this, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. You think it cost them to follow Jesus back in those days? Absolutely. When, when they were writing that, it, it cost to follow Jesus. And I will tell you, there will come a day, it may not be in your lifetime, but your children or your grandchildren may face the, the pressure and, and, and feel the pinch on their bank account, the financial pinch for not bowing down to the gods of this age, but bowing down only to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If you started feeling the pinch on your bank account or at your job because of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ, would you stand up or would you fold up? Jesus? Me? New phone, who dis? Right? I mean, it's like, I, I don't know who you're talking about. It, 
See, in, our, in, in, in Hot Springs in Garland County, it's still relatively easy to follow Jesus. I'm grateful for the freedoms that we have. But I will tell you, the enemy is at the gates, and there will come a time when we need to be ready to bear the name of Jesus and all that goes along with it and the pain. But you know what God's called us to do? You know what God's called me and you to do? Right now, regardless of whether we, we are experiencing unlimited li religious liberty or this world is coming down on us like a jackhammer, you know what God's called us to do? Share the name of Jesus. To share the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, by the way, this passage in Acts chapter 4, if the book of Acts has the most occurrences of the word name in the entire New Testament, Acts chapter 4 has the most occurrences of the word name in the entire book of Acts. This is the mountaintop right here. Look at this. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when the rulers, elders, and scribes saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And then they called the apostles and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Don't you love that? We, we can't help but just talk about Jesus because of what he's done in our lives. I love that passage. Here's a couple reasons why I love it. First of all, it talks about power. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no way that any of us are going to share Jesus the way we've called to be called to share him unless we're experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in our lives. But not only does it speak of power, it speaks of relationship. Did you see what it said? It said these, these leaders who were out and out against the apostles nevertheless took note that they had been with Jesus. Based on what they were seeing in their lives, they, they knew that they had, they had spent time with the Lord. You know, one of the greatest compliments you could ever be paid in this entire world is not you drive a cool car or you're the best worker down there where you work or you got the greatest grades at school or you're the best football or baseball player ever. You know what the greatest, the greatest compliment you could ever be paid is this? I can tell you've been with the Lord. Right? I can tell you have been with the Lord. Again, we, we speak, we minister. All that we do is, is an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. But lastly, check out their witness. Again, this verbal witness, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. If Jesus has done something in your life, all you've got to do is talk about it. Again, I've shared this with you before. God has not called us to be Jesus' lawyers. God has called us to be his witnesses, to simply tell others, you know what, when I was thus and such, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Changed my life. Changed my life. Here's what he's done to change my life. Right? You just, you're telling others what you've seen and what you've heard. Now, I know, this world today is increasingly secular. It's increasingly unchurched. Even, even in Garland County, there's more and more people who don't go to church. And so, yes, it's important to share, 
But honestly, in many cases, we just need to start building some bridges in order to have opportunities to share and, 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 to, and to look for ways into people's lives, not out. That's why this Sunday, I'm super excited to let y'all know that, that an initiative that we're going to keep before you throughout this fall and into December is called Life Plus. And I'm very, very appreciative of Pastor uh, Keith Caps for developing this initiative. It's super, super simple. Life Plus. You know, we're all very busy, aren't we? Uh, I mean, we, we've got work, we've got things, we've got all, all the stuff going on. Life Plus is, is a super easy concept where we simply live our lives and invite people to come along with us, right? Hey, got the Razorback game on Saturday. Awesome! Invite a couple of your neighbors to come over. I'm not talking about people in your life group or people that you know from church. That, that's okay, too. But who are some people in my sphere, right, who don't go to church? I, I, I'm just going to invite them to hang out with me. Going to the lake. We're going to ride around the boat. Great! Awesome! Invite a couple of these people. See, Life Plus. You're, you're, you're bringing a few people along. Maybe you want to do what we called last year a neighborhood hangout. You just simply say, hey, we're going to put on a little, little cookout, a little hamburger hot dog deal Saturday afternoon at our house, and you just invite your neighborhood over. Uh, you, you put something in their mailboxes. Maybe you put something on your neighborhood social media page, if you have one of those or whatever, just invite them to come on out. And, and you never know what God is going to do as, as you begin to build bridges and to get in to people's lives. I'll tell you, Life Plus is going to be great. Now, you might have seen our Life Plus display out in the mall area this morning. Uh, we've got that set up. Next Sunday on the 24th, we're going to have these little small footballs out there, all right? And what you're going to do is once you, throughout this fall and into December, once you host a Life Plus event, what I'm going to ask you to do is come to the display, grab a football, write your name on it, and then just give me a three or four word sentence or one sentence description of what, what it was you did and just put it in the cooler out there. And, and I'm excited to see all the different ways that our people get creative in, in including people into whatever they're doing in their lives. And friends, yes, to ultimately create an opportunity to invite the church to, to share about Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. You're not inviting them over to watch the Razorback game and then you're going to preach at them at the halftime. All right? Or we're going to break out a Bible study at, at the halftime. Or something. That, that's not the point. The point is to build those bridges and, and, and get into people's lives and create an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.